Hey, everybody, how you doing? Uh, hey, listen up, I got a big announcement. Me and my friend Lexi Schlimmer of Hess Van Schlimmer Metalworks have recently teamed up for uh, this year on November 24th, Riffs for Gifts. Uh, this will be a Toys for Tots charity rock show over at Pops in Sauge, Illinois, and will feature Outrun the Fall, The Poor, Steeples, Monk and the People, The Matching Shoe, and Silent Hollow. Uh, this will be a $10 donation at the door or a $5 donation with a toy donation also. So uh, we're going to try to raise a bunch of money and a bunch of toys for the kids, for the neighborhood, do a little good for the neighborhood. And uh, I've heard a little rumor maybe that Santa Claus might be there. So that's really exciting. Uh, can't wait to see you all out there again. November 24th. Risks for Gifts over at Pops. Uh, more details will be coming soon. But do not miss this show. Biggest biggest thing I've been a part of yet. And I'm so excited to see everybody. And uh, we're, it's going to be a great night for a great cause. See you all very soon. Thanks, everybody. Hi, this is Lexi Sid. of Hess Van Schlemmer Metalworks and Art. Home of the Schlemmer Metal Wolves. We are a small but furious family-run welding, fabrication, and metalworks shop with CNC capabilities and now full-scale powder coating operation. We bring unique, affordable quality art to life within the realm of practicality. Whether it's signs, sculptures, railings, shelves, furniture, or even just powder coat for your rims or your patio set, give us a look, check us out on Facebook or Instagram, or call 618-670-5724. We are Hess Van Schlemmer Metalworks. That was terrible. Allie tried. Hey, everybody. Shane here with Rock Paper Podcast. Let me tell you about my friends over at Naked Vine, located at 1624 Clarkson Road in Chesterfield, Missouri. They swing by and visit them Tuesday through Saturday for a glass of wine, whiskey, or local craft beers, and uh, see my one and only there on October 4th. Kevin Buckley Trio on October 5th. Diesel Island on Saturday, October 6th. And uh, I will uh, be back out at Naked Vine on Tuesday, October 9th for my monthly singer-songwriter storytelling showcase. Um, this month, October, will feature Philip Russo, Matthew Hitchcock, and Samantha Clemens. That's a $5 ticket for that show, 7 p.m. So come on over and party with us at Naked Vine. Um, well, all these inf shows and more can be found at nakedvine.net. Be sure to follow along with them also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And uh, again, everything nakedvine.net. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy the show. Um, podcast is kind of like a, it's like a radio show that's not on the radio, it's on, it's on the internet. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> that's also like my mom. Uh, it makes it sound more confusing, doesn't it? Uh, it sounds like this. Hey, it's Scott James. Uh, check out Rock Paper Pod, check out Rock Paper Podcast, they're already listening to it. This is just the intro, right? Hey, thanks for listening to Rock Paper Podcast with Shane Presley. Hey everybody, Shane Presley here, Rock Paper Podcast, coming to you from St. Louis, Missouri, hanging out today with Scott James. Welcome back to the show, man. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, we're down here in the uh, in the studio. Yeah. In the... Yeah, it's it's coming it's coming a long way. I know it's uh, it's a little rough right now, but you can see the potential yeah, clearly for sure. Yeah. Uh, God, I wish this was a video. <laughs> Podcast. I actually wish I'm actually. If you can imagine this, I'm proud of the state my basement is in right now. Yeah. And I, I would apologize. It's like when you clean your house because you know you got people coming over and they come over and you apologize for the mess. It's the same deal. Like I'm. I'm sorry. There's a little bit of a. It's a little chaotic, but there is currently a 20 yard dumpster sitting in my driveway with the contents 
of the basement in it. Right. So <laughs> this is the best the basement has looked in years. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a. Uh... I, you know, I'm, I I don't judge. I've been uh, I've seen a lot of uh, crazier things. Well, you doing. probably you probably do this a lot from bands rehearsal spaces, yep. and I, I'm just remembering like the last couple bands I was in. It looked like it didn't look like we were supposed to be there. It looked like we were squatting and throwing parties there. Oh yeah, that involved instruments. And meanwhile, it's somebody's house. Like somebody lives there, and you're like, you're just gonna leave it like this until the next time we're here. Sure. Oh yeah. Yeah, I've been over that. Uh, Limp uh, rehearsal spaces over there, uh, yeah, and that's I don't know, that's one of the craziest places I've ever been into. Like it's it's that same kind of way. It's like everybody has these little rehearsal rooms, but they there's like there's power, but there's like no heat or yeah or or air or, air or anything. And it's just like every it's just like I don't know. It's just a big like warehouse kind of thing. And it's but it's and it's like. It's like haunted and stuff too. They say, and the, the plumbing doesn't work, and everything's just like. But hey, we got bands in here that practice and stuff. So. Yeah, I, well, and you you actually probably talked to bands that did this, but we used to rehearse out of uh, storage spaces. Right. Like actual yeah, outside hold, garage yeah. door storage units that you know, <laughs> you roll up the yeah. door and there's your setup. I did a podcast in a U-Haul before. Yeah, <laughs> and, the, and like the and not the a U-Haul truck, but a U-Haul storage yeah. place. Yeah. See, I went and th- this has been some years ago, but when I kind of had tried to write a bunch of songs, and I was pretty proud of what I had written, uh, so I was trying to put a band together. But I knew I wasn't, you know, I was pretty proud of what I was able to accomplish, which is to say that it, they still needed a ton of work. I needed a second, maybe third set of eyes and ears on them. So I was like, I'm going to try to find a band or other band members and try to like, you know, whatever, your songs, here's what I bring to the table. I recorded a bunch of them and I thought they sounded pretty decent with what I was I was able to do. Uh, and man, I, I auditioned in a U-Haul place and I was like, man, do they know you're doing this? Like I, the place in St. Peter's, uh-huh. that lady knows there's bands rehearsing there and she's fine with it. She just tells you like, hey, just make sure you're not... Don't cause any problems. That's right. it. So, so long as the cops never have to show up and, you know, the place isn't, like, strewn with cigarette butts and beer bottles, we'll be fine. It, I don't, it's actually pretty genius. Like, uh, yeah, it's uh, climate controlled. It's uh, secured under, uh, you have, you know, video surveillance all over. You got your lock and everything, you know. Yeah. It's, uh, so it's very safe in that sense, like, and keep all your gear protected and everything. And then, like, Whenever you do have to load up for a gig, they got loading docks and carts and everything else. Yeah, around. no like, shit. I mean, like, so it's uh, you know, it's pretty convenient for that in uh, in a lot of ways. So, so the this we practiced out of two different storage units. One was in Bridgeton, and it was just this. I mean, there was nothing around there besides a gas station that closed at nine o'clock, and we would practice, you know, late. Uh, and that place got robbed. All, all our shit got stolen, man. Oops. Yeah. Uh, and it was another band that did it to us. Imagine that. Uh, but uh, the other place we practiced was in St. Peter's, and it was just outdoor. There's no climate control. There's one light bulb in there that you had to, you know, screw in like outlets to, and you're running like amps and keyboards and <laughs> mics and PA's and everything else off it. All right. Probably a fire hazard, but and so no climate control. There's pictures yeah. of us practicing in there. In the, in the summertime with like fans roll, and you can tell when you're like playing with that whole setup it's a drain on that electricity because the fan you can see it like slowing down <laughs> right. but I you know practicing in like running shorts and nothing else uh, I don't think I have that kind of stamina now I'm not old but I'm not young enough to put up with that shit yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, in your first appearance we, we did talk uh, we talked a lot of comedy but we also and you, you mentioned uh, playing musical, but I don't think we really quite, quite dove into a lot of what you uh, you're as as far as your music and stuff. And uh, I, I think I, after we recorded, I got to know more about what you uh, uh, some of the bands in the past and stuff yeah. uh, with Justin and stuff. And uh, well, I got become become quite friendly with Justin afterwards and everything too. And he, by the way, uh, Justin Hitzfeld uh, was the singer in my first band. Not my first first band, but my first band that we actually played out and 
you know, had T-shirts and CDs and all that stuff. Uh, the, the sad thing about it is this, is there's not much to talk about because it's it means something to the members of the band and, you know, maybe like the handful of people that have a shirt and a CD and came out to see us a couple different times and, you know, what you, what you would call like a fan base, which for us was like five or six people <laughs> that liked what we were doing. And it's very important to us, you know, but it's not like, you know, you know, there's a lot of bands in St. Louis, you know, for me and my age group, uh, I would, you know, I would say like The Urge, Fragile Porcelain Mice was my band. Yeah. Even more than The Urge, like, the, the Urge, they're awesome, fine, whatever. But for me, Fragile Porcelain Mice was my local band that I was like, I want to do what they're doing. Those guys. Sure. That's my shit right there. They were opening for the urge. Uh, I know Thanksgiving, and, so. and that is like, ah, that's it, it, the couple times I saw the urge. I lo- and I liked their music too. And then I went and saw them live, and I was like, man, this is something different. And I love when a band does that. When you're like, man, yeah, their music's good. I like it. And then you go see them live, and you're like, oh, well, I love this though. Yeah. That that to me is like peak. You know, there's a lot of bands I like that I've seen live, and they're not, they're, you know, and granted, they play their songs, they sound fine or whatever, but the Urge really did take it up to the next level up, you know, whereas, like, you could have their CDs and enjoy it, but if you haven't seen them live, you haven't really experienced the Urge. Yeah, exactly. And I would say definitely the same is true for Fragile Porcelain Mice, because, especially, man, when I first started to go see them live, it was just something... Like, I bought their CDs, I loved the CDs, but I could not wait to see them live again. It was, I saw them so many times, and every time was a great time, you know? Uh, so, like, with us playing music, like, that's that's kind of where you're, what you aspire to do, or you, you know? And we just never, like, any of the bands I was in, and I was in, like, three bands that I really thought, like, man, this is something good. We're really getting into it. Adam's Off Ox was the the first band that I was in with Justin and my wife Mel sang backup played percussion my buddy Jamie who I've been friends with since I was a freshman in high school you know that that band was so important to me and you know hopefully to everybody involved because it was like you know your first like uh, it's your first love it's your first like oh man we're we're doing it we're doing what you know my heroes do and the last you know handful of songs we wrote and recorded so proud of them I mean we were really getting into a sound that I really thought like wow this is us this is original I really stand behind these songs because I think that I think that this should apply definitely in comedy and in music if you know you get your first 10 songs you write is like uh, like when they say a car isn't broken in until you drive, oh, uh, Toyota's, you know, 100,000 miles, and they're just <laughs> yeah. getting broken in. Right. Well, it's not like those first miles are bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not like, oh, the thing didn't run right until 100,000. But I think for bands and comedy, it is kind of that. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you learn so much. The lineup might change. You're learning how to write together. You find a sound. Or you might start off saying, like, oh, we want to be like these type of bands. And you actually start putting your thoughts and ideas in with all the other band members and you're like oh that's not what we're like at all right we're a whole different thing and then you find your sound and it's your sound it's something that you know oh i'm a big fan of this band well we don't sound like that anymore you wouldn't even know we were into that band we used to get compared to a lot of different bands that we were like we do not like that band yeah. or whether we liked them or not we wouldn't consider them an influence sure and everybody had a different list of bands too which i think was good yeah well, I think some of that too is like, I don't know. I, I, I always feel like bad about even saying any of that stuff. Like saying that people sound like anybody, like because one, that's not what you ever knew anybody ever wants to hear, you know. Unless it's like, obviously, they're like you know, dream or whatever. You know, they're 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 and, idols and, and unless stuff. you're uh, who's the who's the fucking band now? Just a new Led Zeppelin. That's what I call oh, Greta Van Greta Van Fleet. Fleet. Goddamn. Yeah. I hate that I like a lot of those songs because the thing I especially like I said with Adams Off Fox that last recording I really 
I took a lot of pride. A, a being the drummer, you know, being part of the creative, you know, there's, you know, you could just be the drummer. But so much of our style and our sound and our writing process and everything came from us just starting something. Just, and it, you know, we weren't even like a jam band, but it always came out as like, oh, we're just warming up, we're dicking around. And then before you know it, I'm warming up and playing something. And then the bass player starts playing something. Shout out to Ozzy Cruz. And then Nick Hudson, the keyboard player, start twinkling around. And then Jamie Wolf, and then before you know it, the entire band's playing something. And we're like, oh, this is a, remember that. Everybody remember what you played just right now, just the way you did it. And eventually it turns into a song. And I, I really, I, I take a lot of pride in saying that at least we are original. It might not even be something everybody's in, you might listen to it and be like, I'm not really liking the sound, but all right, well, tell us what it sounds like. And if you have a hard time coming up with it, then good. You know, I, I like originality more than anything. And unfortunately, a band like Greta Van Fleet, it's just like, come on. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I said it the other day on a uh, recording these, and like, uh, like, they're good. Yeah. They're, like, <laughs> they're... I, I saw them live at the pageant a bit ago, and... Like, I don't know. I said if, like, if, if they would have, like, just opened the show for somebody else and, like, maybe did a half an hour, I probably would have left thinking, like, that was awesome. Uh, but after seeing an hour and a half of it, uh, I it just, for me, it felt stretched. Like, they had a couple of good ones and then, like, but it was just, like, all the same for an hour and a half. felt like, you know, it's like, yeah. there wasn't a lot of, like, you know, dynamic to the show. It wasn't, you know... Um, and he was just doing that like same vocal effect like the whole time like that screaming like Robert yeah. Plant like thing and like um, so I don't know I I, know I I almost like it's weird it's like it's like they're like aliens and then they like or something and they discover they, they like are inhabited robot, the or, bodies like, yeah, of like, <laughs> or, like robots and they, like they learned uh, they got like some kind of uh, Led Zeppelin VHS or something DVD yeah. and then they like studied rock and roll and like that's like, their only influence yeah right that's the only like, so, so. I, I always have this and it's even for artists that I don't particularly enjoy like the weird thing is like I, I hate Jack White I think he's a pretentious doofus <laughs> but goddamn, I respect the fact that everything he does you know without even sounding like the rock and tours I, I, I actually liked the Dead Weathers first album I really really liked and there's definitely White Stripe songs that I like, but you listen to all those, and they're all different enough to not be like, oh, Jesus, just more of the same. But, man, he puts his stamp on something where you know it's him. Right. But even even in a band he's not singing in. Or, and, and, and honestly, uh, Josh Homme from Queens of the Stone Age, same deal, where whatever band he's in, whatever he's doing, and you know, even between Queens of the Stone Age albums, there's a lot of difference. You know, it's not just the, you know, the lineup changes or whatever, but goddamn, if he doesn't put his stamp on it. All right. Yes, you know that Josh Homme is involved in Eagles of Death Metal. You know that he's involved with, like, these Desert Session stuff. But it's never so similar to the last thing he did that you're, you know, you can still listen to the next Queens of the Stone Age album and be like, it definitely sounds different, and it's maybe you like it more or less than his last album. But it's definitely, he's putting a stamp on it, whereas right. Greta Van Fleet is putting Led Zeppelin's stamp on it. Sure. And it's, it bugs me, but then we listen to this, <laughs> that album in the car, and I'm like, all right, it's, it's pretty good. I like it. <laughs> but it, uh, what are you going to do? You're right. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, man. It's uh, it's interesting. And then that, I saw something, with especially speaking of those guys too, though, like I saw something that they like tried to act like they weren't influenced by led zeppelin and or, and or something like that in an interview or whatever oh yeah it was a fucking accident give yeah, me a break right. yeah it's like uh yeah we just found just this. own it yeah own it. <laughs> just own yeah. it and be like look right we love led zeppelin yeah the one thing our lives was lacking is more led zeppelin so we decided you know what yeah. dress for the job you want right but it is funny though like so many people are kind of hung up on it that they do sound like led zeppelin and they do like i'm not denying that but the fact that like they're focusing on that one and it's like there's so many bands that have been ripping off everybody else all through time. Like, 
why, y- yeah. why are we focusing on this one that like sounds like that like it's it, it's because they're huge yeah that's what it is because they've uh, and you know there's plenty of examples of that over time the thing that bugs me about music and I used to say it always moves in threes like you remember like uh, mid 90s when swing music was big well you had three you had the Big Bad Voodoo Daddy Cherry Poppin' Daddies and whoever the f- Squirrel Nuts they all had like similar names mm-hmm. you know the pop punk era Blink 182 Sum 41 you know you always have the three right. big ones that I think like record labels just fought over well, we have to have our band like that, so they find some bullshit band, and then you know. So it's it's always been around. It's always been right. annoying, but I I think the. You know, part of, like any new band getting over that that sophomore. Slump part of it is like, finding your own sound and realizing like oh well maybe our own sound doesn't sell as good as like. You get what I mean? Where sure. I. Who knows? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's something to that though. People, people like hearing something they know. You know, it's like that. That's why. That's why. I mean, I think of like you look how many bands like made it successful off like their biggest hits a cover song that they did. You know, and they, be, yeah. they become like known for that cover song. Yeah, like, that's that's got to be frustrating for right. an alien ant farm. Oh, right. They, <laughs> they, they own it though. Like I just saw them at Wayback Point Fest, and they like they still played it. Like you know, it, dude, for them. I like there's like this thing with shitting on like here in o- O'Fallon, Missouri, their Freedom Heritage Festival, whatever the fuck. It's the Fourth of July per thing. Uh, you know the bands they have play are always like you know Vertical Horizon. Uh, I think Smash Mouth played one year. Cowboy Mouth played one year. We're getting all the mouth bands. Uh, but for those, okay, so for those bands that were like maybe they had a couple hits early mid 90s and now they're doing this circuit and it's real easy to shit on those bands and be like oh yeah look what they're doing now uh, but whatever they're, you know what they don't have day jobs right. fuck you they're, they're still playing their music and still touring whether yeah. you, you know and I, I hate the, the the real popular thing and granted I hate Creed and Nickelback and yeah I hate that shit too but you know Goddamn! Yeah. Just the thing I hate the most in all the arts is just shit being unoriginal and that type of like criticism. Of course, like every comedian has a hack joke about, oh, they're the Nickelback of politicians or whatever. They're, they're Nickelback of like, all right, that's give it a rest, man. Yeah. Leave these poor Canadian bastards alone. <laughs> just let them, you know, you know what I mean. Like, and I hate their music, and I think they're a very derivative bullshit sound. But at the same time, I don't. I never have to listen to that band. This ain't. Oh, yeah. th- shit is so spread out now. You have an absolute on-demand. You know, you never have to listen to a band you don't like. So any bitching about a band you don't like, that's you, man. Right. You got something wrong with you. <laughs> yeah. They. Uh, uh, speak, speaking of that, way back point fest, man. I. Uh, I had a good laugh there. Um, the Offspring were there, and. Um, and they were uh, they were cracking me up like all night. Just a bunch of the uh, between uh, Dexter and, and Noodles, they were like <clears throat> it was almost like a you know Abbott and Costello or something. You know, some kind of comedy bit between the two. Like really? they were just going back and forth all, like all night. And then like they were like uh, they got to the point they did a uh, bad habit, and it was uh, you know the. Uh, right, right, right before the. Uh, that's their one song I like. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the, I mean, I I loved it. It was a great. The whole show was like, uh, for me, that was like, you know, I bought. I remember buying Americana when it like was new in middle school and stuff, and like I remember listening to a lot of that music and stuff. So for me, it was like, it was nice. So I kind of go back and kind of like it was nostalgic a little yeah, bit and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So. But anyway, uh, so. The, uh, right before Bad Habit, uh, or in the middle of Bad Habit, right before the uh, stupid dumb shit, goddamn motherfucker, and uh, they like stopped the shit, you know, stopped everything. And they like start talking to the crowd, and like, and the whole night they were like playing it up, like this is the biggest thing in rock and roll history ever, you know, and, like just like I don't know, this you are the sexiest crowd, you know, and all stuff like yeah. that, like, and then um, so then they got to that point, and then they were, they were like, 
Okay, you guys uh, ready to sing with us now, and then say some say some dirty words, and then uh, and then uh, uh, Noodles over there is like poop 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 pee pee, and or something like that, like just screams that out, and like so that was made me like like cry laughing because that you know fifty something year old guy yelled poop poop yeah. pee pee, and God stuff. damn, you don't realize <laughs> those guys are in their fifties. Like, yeah, I don't know, something like I, mean, I don't know. Well, it makes sense if they were uh, they, they like their be, first album came out and. They gotta be something. Maybe like 93, yeah, 94? Right. Yeah, they gotta be somewhere in there. God damn, are we getting old? Uh, yeah, maybe. How old are you? 33. Alright, I'm 37. Yeah. That ain't crazy. Right. But they, uh, so then they, yeah, of course, they did the, the rest of the song and everybody screamed along with them and stuff, but that was a whole lot of fun. But then, uh, they, um, uh, there was uh, another moment where he was saying, like, how they, you know, we're kind of talking about these bands that are still, doing, still doing this thing, and after so many years, and he's like, he brought in that um, uh, Anchorman quote, you know, when uh, when Ron Burgundy's at the party, like we've been coming to the same party for twenty years, and there's nothing sad about that or something like that. Yeah. You know, he's like, and that's what they were like, kind of these all these bands have been playing together for all these years, and now they're playing yeah. this, this, but they're still doing it. Like they're still getting, you know. But I, see, that gives me hope. That gives me so much hope. <laughs> like we're like I was saying with like the bands that do these like county fairs and stuff like right. that. I, dude, I hope I can still do. Right. You know, I hope I'm like in my fifties. You know, to me that shit ain't sad. Like, you know, there's uh, I I hate that this is a thing that uh, me and Andrew Frank actually were just talking about it. Like, uh, you know, like the when you almost want to say like a comedian is washed up or say something, you say they're a boat comic where they like, oh, yeah. you know, go do the cruise ships because they have comedians on the cruise ships. And I'm like, fuck that, man. Doing that, I, I hope I get into my, like, you know, I hope I can do gigs. A, that pay that. B, like, whatever, man. That's, you're making, you know what you're not doing? Working a, a job. Yeah. A jobby job. You know, like, I, I actually like my job. It's still a fucking job. If I could do it, if I could, like, replace that income with doing, like, cruise ship comedy, yeah. fucking A, right. Right. I, no, I would not even bat an eye at it. I'd be like, yep. <laughs> yeah. When do you want me there? Yeah. <laughs> and the, the thing about it is, like, when you're... Any band that had, like, huge hits, you know, in the early 90s, and they're doing these, like, reunion tours or anything like that, I mean, what's your other option? Right. If, if nobody's, like, beating your door down for more hit records or just hit singles or whatever... And you get the opportunity to play these shows and have a good time. Like, wouldn't you? Don't you want to do that when you're going gray? Yeah. Fucking ain't right. Yeah. I, uh, I thought of. Um, I remember Daniel Tosh had a, uh, a a thing in one of his uh, specials where he talked about like football players. You know how they like, uh, you know, they sign all these big crazy contracts and everything. You know, and like then it gets to the point where they're not on the. You know, then they get they get down. They're not on the starting roster, but then they go like, okay, now you're on the uh, you're you're on the bench, and you're we're still going to pay you a uh, million dollars a year. Okay, yeah, I'll do that. And yeah, like, which, which for a football yeah, player is like right. league minimum. Yeah, right. And then he's like, okay, now you're on the practice team. That's like four hundred thousand dollars a year. He's like, okay, yeah, I'll do that. And then he's like, no, okay, now you're going to coach the team and all this, you know, and all that. Like, so it's like you're still getting a crazy amount of money for yeah. for playing a game or telling jokes or whatever. And like, you know, it's like. He's, but he's saying like that's the prim- premise of the joke was that he was just gonna he's gonna keep doing it because it's still better than yeah going to work absolutely <laughs> so, yeah. and I always look at and this is like this has like a weird bleed over I never do like political or social commentary right. or anything like that a lot of it is because I don't give a shit a lot of it is just because I I know me and I know like I, I'm pretty open minded to most perspectives if you can make sense out of it yeah. You know, whatever your political persuasion or anything, like, I'll listen. Uh, But I was just having this conversation with somebody at work about Colin Kaepernick. And he wasn't necessarily, like, you know, being a dick about it or anything. He's like, but he kind of was of the persuasion that uh, he shouldn't be playing for the NFL. Now, you can say that, but it's like, okay, but why do you think that? Because I, I, I understand why a team wouldn't want to draft him. Because they want a quarterback, not a whole parade of media, all this shit, right? Uh, 
But what I always go back to is, you mean to tell me he's the worst <laughs> NFL quarterback? You mean to tell me there's no he can't play? And I'm not even saying he's a great quarterback. What I'm saying is, like, he had one standout season with the 49ers, and they, they made it to the play. They made it to the Super Bowl, which to me was a big deal because when I was growing up, Joe Montana was a big deal, and I was like, I was so happy. Did they make it to the Super Bowl? Uh, I don't think they made uh, they they were at least in the playoffs. Though, right. Something where I just happened. had this like flashback of me being like a big yeah. Joe Montana fan and be like, "Fucking hey, I want to see the, I want to see the 49ers up sure. in there, man." Uh and maybe, you know, maybe he maybe the milk went sour. Right. You know what I mean? Maybe maybe he's like he got figured out in league-wide defenses just figured out, you know, you don't have that many tricks up his sleeve. That's fine, but you mean to tell me he can't be a backup quarterback? He don't have that level of skill? Right. Seriously, I, but we actually had an intelligent conversation. And I say intelligent; the guy I'm talking about is not crazy intelligent, <laughs> and neither am I. But we at least had a conversation about it, and you can't talk about that without spilling into like yeah. why he's not playing or what your feelings are on that. Uh, but I forget why we even started talking about this. <laughs> uh, I, well, I mentioned uh, football and. and- Daniel Tosh's. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, second-string quarterbacks. Right. right. Yeah, that's exactly the thing. Like, at this point, I think if a team drafted him, or not drafted, if a team, you know, signed him, and he was playing second-string. Right. Or just even, like, practice what? Is it, like, more money than he's making now? No. Yeah. (laughs) His, his, uh perspective or his ideas further you know moved further forward by the fact that a team will not sign him and I I think the guy should be playing but I get why a team an apolitical no I have no feelings on your stance on this or that or whatever wouldn't want to sign him because the same thing happened with Michael Sam being the first openly gay player and the Rams signed him when they were in St. Louis and I remember people talking about, like, who gives a shit if he's... Nobody cares about that. Yeah. If he's a good defensive end, welcome aboard. Right. I mean, who cares about anything else? That, you know... But we were talking about, like, a team might not want to draft him because they don't want the circus surrounding it. They don't... They just want a player. Mm-hmm. Just show up, be a team player, and whatever, whatever. You know? And I remember like having a conversation with somebody like, why are they drafting a defensive end? We don't need a defensive end. We need this. We need that. And the conversation never even came up with him being a gay player. And I, you know, and this is my hope, because uh, I think the best in people, I hope that's the conversation with Colin Kaepernick. It's like, well, we don't need a, I hope there aren't like these backroom conversations about him where they're like, oh, we can't have that attitude. Or, we can't have that. We can't, you know. Whatever your feelings are about it, like if you're a, I think a true American, you got to at least give it up for the guy for being like, there you go. That's, you know, I believe, fuck, I hate talking about politics, but, you know, whether you agree with them or disagree, like that type of like, the, just the punk rock nature of him, like, no, I'm going to kneel for this. Yeah. And I, because I have whatever inclination or my ideas on this or that care about agree disagree whatever I, I think there is a nuts and bolts uh, perspective on it that has nothing to do with his politics or anybody else's and I think most of that is like a coach like a coach Belichick I think he doesn't give a shit about anything but winning right. and I think a lot of the NFL coaches are like that and I, but that's that's also frustrating <laughs> he can play somewhere sure come on yeah. if, I don't know yeah, there's been uh, I'm, I'm I don't know yeah I don't know what the because I looked at his numbers the other day just to just because to, I did recall like he wasn't like great at the end when before he got cut but like I looked at his stats and like they weren't that bad like I mean for no. for, for not for so I mean like, <laughs> they weren't bad enough right, for the, yeah. <laughs> for him to not right, play exactly so. even like you look at any quarterback any player that's on the decline or maybe they're a little long in the tooth. Maybe I mean you look at, uh, I mean goddamn, Mike, we let Michael Vick play, for God's sake, and <laughs> he's a straight dog murderer. Right. Come on. Uh, it, but even like Bulger, 
you know, and, and granted, like St. Louis certainly had a talent for <laughs> like destroying quarterbacks' careers. Yeah. Even Kurt Warner, once he left, still had a like viable career. Yeah. And the conversation in St. Louis was that he was, ah, he's old. Right. He's broken. <laughs> he, you know, he can't possibly compete in this league. One on one. A couple <laughs> short years later, yeah. and and him to Kurt Warner's credit, he went and was a backup in New York. Yeah. You know, he went. You know. You're right. When you talk about, like, if you're a player, you want to play. Yeah. If you're, you know, like, uh, and I think this has some spillover into, like, Louis C.K. shit. Like, if you're, if that's you and you're a comedian, you want to perform comedy. Like, you have some shit come your way that uh, it, maybe it's a, a situation of your own making. But, what, is he just never going to perform again? Yeah. If that's what you, like, I, I don't know, maybe Colin Kaepernick's, if you just sat him down... He's like, look, man, I just want to play football. That's what I like to do. I love the sport. I love it. Just play football then. Come on. And But if I'm going to say the same, I, I don't know. I, I just have – people care so much about things that I don't give a shit at all about. Yeah. I find that in every corner of my life to where when people start talking about something in the news or politics or whatever, I'm like, ah, I don't really give a shit about yeah. that. Yeah. He's a football player that's not playing football. Why not? Yeah. I, uh, I work uh, down at the bar, and for, for whatever reason, people feel the need to talk to, talk to me a lot about things, and like, uh, and especially like a lot of stuff I don't care about, and like, they, I try to express it with my face that I have zero interest in this. But people insist on continuing to talk to me and tell me about all this stuff, and I'm like, I really don't care. Like, well. You're a, you know, you add booze to any uh, conversation about a serious yeah. topic, and I yeah. think it like, uh, yeah, maybe loosens people's lips a little bit, and they feel like I love. You see, I hate it, but I also love talking about it. What I don't like is this weird attitude. Like I, I, I was just, I was just talking about something, and I forget what it was. Just a complete like, I don't know where like oh. It, Oh, we were talking about podcasts. I, I, yeah. Uh, we were talking about podcasts. We listened to it. was like, oh, yeah, I just, I find myself listening to the same ones or subscribe to the same ones. And I, I listen to like one a month. I'm like, why am I still subscribed to this? Why am I, you know? And then just an, another comic was like, Ugh, you don't listen to Joe Rogan, do you? And I was like, what difference would it make if I did? What does that fucking matter? Right. I don't get it. I don't get the weird, like, Ugh, you don't listen to Joe so what if I did? <laughs> I think it's sort of that Nickelback thing goes back to that, like where it's like Joe's like number one. So and I think it's people always going to be like, uh, you know, hate that anything that's like that popular kind of thing. I think sometimes like yeah, so. it's, I mean, I, don't get me wrong. His is one of the podcasts that I like. I, I listen right. to like every. Like I'm, if you went through like the podcasts I'm subscribed to, there's only a couple that I listen to pretty regularly, and and honestly, like this one is kind of one of them that I listen to with enough frequency that I like. Oh, I know what Shane's up to, <laughs> but and a lot of that is because you're a local. A lot of that is because I know you, and I like to support people I know doing things that take work, that take yeah. effort, you know, and, and it's not easy because not everything that's local and not every dude or girl or musician or whatever you know personally and as a good person is you know your favorite artist but goddamn, I love people putting in effort I, I love when people actually like buckle down and do something because it's the same with music it's the same with comedy like I you know you say what you want to about the local comedy scene you know I, I wouldn't argue with anybody if you want to discuss like the you know, the quality of the shows or whatever you want to discuss, like, oh, you know, whatever, then fuck off, don't show up if you don't like it. What I will say is, like, I really appreciate that people are like, I mean, you look at it out there and you got the Funny Bones been around for 30-odd years, you know? And I've, I always say this about the Funny Bone. They got one purpose and one purpose only, and that is just, it's just a stand-up comedy club. There's no ventriloquists, there's no magicians. You show up, it's a comic. My favorite comics are comics most people. They're not household names, they're not superstars. I just worked with Tom Dustin. He's fucking hilarious. Yep. You know, he's just a comic from Boston. 
you know, maybe maybe he's been on TV doing something, but I, you know, and his, my favorite comics are pe- mostly people I've seen at the Funny Bone who are essentially like no name, but they're just good comedians. They're sure. good headliners. But for a long time, it was just the Funny Bone here in town. And now you got the Laugh Lounge, you got, you know, Helium, you got the Improv Shop. Now, out of all of those in terms of opportunities for local talent, for local comedians, there are, they're all doing a little something. You know, the comedian always winds up having local openers. I work there all the time. I say all the time, not, you know, but I like that he's using local talent. I like when, you know, the Laugh Lounge is owned by someone local. They put on a ton of local talent. You know, the improv shop, it's... local people. But even outside of that, that's not enough stage time for local comedians. So what do they do? They start their own shows. And some of these shows are good. And they're creating opportunities for douchebags like me who don't (laughs) create any kind of show. I just show up and do, you know, I just show up and do my jokes. Very selfish of me. (laughs) But God, I love when people put in effort. They're putting in the work to create not just an opportunity for themselves but they're creating an opportunity for somebody like me to get on stage and try to peddle my wares and that's something that you're doing that's something that like we were talking I don't know if we did this on mic but we were talking about the Lemp practice space where it's and I I haven't been there but somebody thought well enough of like you know what we need more rehearsal spaces in this town for bands and there it is yeah you know, there's tons of things like that. When you know, when we played, you know, local shows around St. Louis, it's not like we opened for any big name bands. It was always with a local band at a venue that was putting on local bands, and you just gotta like give it up for the people that are creating opportunities for you to suckle off of. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I guess the long—that's <laughs> a long way to go to say that. Like, I really appreciate the go-getters in this town for doing things like that for sure man yeah i'm having a ton of fun doing it so uh, i'm sure the other people are too man it's like it's just it's fun it's exciting yeah so uh, i'm gonna keep doing it so yeah Uh, at 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 this point i mean how 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 many years you've been doing it like three or four years haven't you uh may was four so four and a half jesus yeah there's so many things that I, you know, <laughs> when you start putting years on it, right. when you start or like counting the episodes, oh, this is episode five hundred and eighty-seven. Jesus. Yeah, I, I mean, I obviously I number them all, but like, just uh, just to keep track. But it's like, yeah, I don't know. It's it is kind of crazy. You're like every time I look at it, I'm like, man, that's shit. That's a that's a lot of content. And you especially, and I was I say the same for. You know, especially any comedian that's touring or that's, uh, you know, different town, bands that tour, different town, you know, every other night or whatever. You actually travel with this thing. It's not like you have, like, oh, you got to come to my studio and record. Right. (laughs) So you probably put miles on your car, going to people's places, rehearsal spaces. You know what I mean? I've recorded in in Columbia, and I've been up to Columbia, Columbia, Missouri, to... Cuba, Missouri, to Jesus, Carrollton, Illinois, to all over the place. <laughs> yeah, so, Cuba's not yeah. Cuba is not close, right? <laughs> and I live in Wentzville, so it's like I and definitely do a lot of driving for the show. But uh, like I said, I, I really enjoy it. Like it's, it's a ton of fun for me. So, but you were talking about uh, earlier about you know the band and uh, and even comparing it to comedy too, just like the work. But uh, you know, it's like the, your first. You said something about the band, like the first ten songs or whatever. Oh yeah, and that was kind of like I related that to a lot to the podcasting because like when we did this first time like two and a half years ago, like I was listening back to that and I was like, you know, yeah, I just like it was like a little rough for me. Even then, I was like two years in, but it's like, but I feel like today, you know, after doing it now four and a half years, I feel much more confident in the product and everything that we have going on today than I did like. Well, you should. Yeah, so it's like it's just like any you know band or comedian or anything. You do it enough times, enough practice, you get you're gonna keep getting better and stuff. So yeah, I have this uh, you know this thing with uh, 
local con- I say a local con- I'm sure this is like something that hangs up in a lot of comedians uh, heads when they're first starting out and I say first starting out in terms of like maybe your first couple of years because it took me a while right you know to be proud of what I was doing up there to really be like this is this is good this is quality it's original it's you know my own voice I mean it took me a while that's why it's inter- uh, incredibly frustrating for me to see like like pretty new comics who are already like you know pretty funny I'm like god damn man how did <laughs> you just figured it out quick it took right. me years Jesus uh, but a lot of them get hung up on the time they have like oh I oh hey I think I got a good 10 minutes I think I got a good 20 or I think I got 20 minutes and it's like did don't worry about the time yeah the time is like sort of just a a byproduct of the this is going to sound crazy pretentious but the, the time is like inconsequential it's the quality of time like one of one of the things like Matt from the Funny Bone says a lot is people are like looking for their 10 minutes so they can start hosting because like don't worry about having 10 minutes look about have a good 6 minutes and I'll be happy with that like a really good consistent 6 minutes and you can host right have a good you know the, the quality is better than anything like I remember us being in bands and being like you know we're, we're like the middle band so we need to play like 30 minutes let's say and you know we have like 20 minutes worth of songs that we're really proud of and then 10 minutes it's like ah, I mean it'll do we might have to play a cover fuck that do good 20 do the good 20 right and call it quits. And and just be good. And then like, well, I, well, now we need another good 10. Now we need another good. That That's it to me where, I, you know, hopefully, and I think this is true for our band. Is Not every song we wrote, we were like, yeah, we need to keep playing that over and over again. Some of them we were like, all right, well, if we're not interested enough in it to keep working on it, then it's not us. You know, if, if you're not like passionate about pursuing this, handful of ideas a band is a lot different you're talking about six people you know in our band and you might have like two of the members are like I really like that idea and the rest of us are like pass <laughs> then you kind of pass on it you know whereas a comedian is, you know you're the only one that can say yay or nay whatever you do is kind of up to you mm-hmm. so like when people are concerned about the time they have I'm like who gives a shit about the time I've probably wrote, written five hours of comedy since I started doing comedy, and 40 of it's really good, and the rest of it is probably garbage. Just, you know, you miss all the shots you don't take. Just sure. keep hustling, keep writing. No eyes, I, comedy is a little different, I think. No idea is a bad idea until you do it, and then you realize, like, oh, everybody hates this. Now I'm not gonna, maybe it was a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> But I'm, I'm constantly surprised. I don't know if it's ego or what it is, but there's a lot of stuff I've written. I was like, man, I'm gonna, I think this is going to hit. I think this is really good and creative and funny. And then you do it in front of people and you go, oh, doesn't seem that way. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, uh, that is kind of what's fun to, about, uh, about comedy, too, is that it, it's all... It, it, it could be that way that one room but then like you go to the next room it's a completely different crowd and, and I've very much had yeah. that experience in just in St. Louis not even like touring right. the country I don't fucking tour just in doing different rooms in St. Yeah. Louis I've had jokes where I'm like man this joke works every damn time at the yeah. funny bone and then you do it somewhere else and you're like man they they really hated it right I think they hated me after telling that joke <laughs> And I, I think the big, uh, you know, the challenge is like being, uh, like how many bands do you know that could just play anywhere, anytime, any audience, and every audience would be like, man, that's, that's something. Yeah. I mean, not normally my thing, but holy shit, they were good. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know how many bands. I, I'd say the, my, my favorite band as an example is The Roots. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's a hip hop group. Sure. But if you've ever seen The Roots, there's something for everybody. They're just like, right. they just put on a hell of a show, you know? Uh, and I hope to be that type of comedian where it doesn't, be, it doesn't matter. This audience, that audience, whatever, this shit's ironclad. Uh, and you try to like, you know, 
you got like a backlog of things. You're like, I know this this joke or this premise or this idea or whatever is maybe a little bit harsh to to open a show with. But maybe if I'm in the middle of the show, it'll be okay. You know, this joke may be a little blue or a little dirty or dark or whatever for this scenario right here, but it'll work in another one. Yeah. I, I keep joking around about this, but I, I need to do... I have to, like, maybe for Halloween, I need to do a show because I have, like, maybe 20 minutes of material that is... And in every joke, somebody dies. Every one of them. Some, sometimes it's just some goofy thing I read in, you know, online or saw on the news or something. You know, there was a guy that played the Red Power Ranger. He stabbed his roommate with the Samurai Sword. Right. I got a joke about that. There was a plane crash in San Francisco, and two people died. One of them was hit by a fire truck as it raced to the crash. I had to put out the fire on board the plane. Laugh my, and it's all like, you know, it's just jokes about people dying. I'm like, yeah, you probably can't do like all of those in one set at this place or the next before they're like, fuck, do, do people die in every one of his jokes? You get one. <laughs> you get one where it's tragic, and then you got to talk about some fun stuff. Whereas I want to like do all of them in one set and right. just be like, this whole set's going to be a bummer. But it is what it is. Like you know, the surprise at the end of every story or the premise of every one of these stories is that somebody has to die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That uh, that was a pretty crazy story that. Power Ranger one. That was uh Yeah, do you know every now and then I tell one of those jokes and somebody comes up to me and is like, I heard about that. <laughs> yeah. The funny thing about the Power Rangers is that that franchise is cursed, man. There's been three or four like really tragic stories to come out of like yeah. the cast and crew of the Power Rangers where it's like, dude, this yeah. production is cursed. Like nothing something bad happens every cast they have. Yeah. Ooh. Excuse me. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I have a, it's weird. Like, there's a lot of like kind of crazy stories like that. Like uh, you know, just I don't know if anybody can explain it, but yeah, it's it's weird that how many things have happened to that particular cast and like it's uh, uh, and I don't know. Has anything happened to the 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 reboots and stuff now with the new movies and like? Well, only time will tell. Yeah, I mean, that, we'll you know, every actor that signed on to play on the Power Rangers right. movie. Yeah. I, you know, hopefully their like hey. agent or manager okay. was like, "Hey, man, just heads up. <laughs> have you heard of uh, there? There, but there have been other productions like that, or actors or whatever. Isn't there like a I, like you've heard of the Kennedy Curse? Obviously, that one's I think pretty obvious. But haven't hasn't there been other like uh, well, there's you know, like uh, movies or TV shows or we, uh, we were talking football earlier, and I know the like the Madden. There's a called the Madden curse. Was like everybody that was on the cover of the Madden football game, like always oh. like, <laughs> getting hurt that season and stuff like that. Like, so a player like gets you know offered yeah. like, hey, Richard Sherman, you want to be on the game? No, yeah. right. <laughs> you yeah. need to keep me off of that cover. Yeah, they put them on the cover, and then they always end up getting like you know their leg broken that next season or something. <laughs> right, like, you know, so. exactly. Uh, no, it's uh, some some crazy stuff out there, but uh, uh, but yeah, man. Well, uh, you uh, you were telling me a story. We were we kind of got going on it uh, before we started the mic, and uh, you you uh, you got your uh, your vape there, and uh, reminded me uh, about it. But uh, you, you were telling me a, a story you uh, participated in some. Uh, uh, not my some, proudest moment. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I smoked, I smoked weed for the first time since I was 19. And uh, I'm not going to say it was a good experience. I'm, I'm going to say, like, <laughs> it, it caused some, some... It's very unlike me. I, I'll even say, like, I'm not a big drinker. Like, I, I like a good beer buzz, but I'm usually, like... Uh, it's been a long time since I've been out of control in, in terms of, like, oh, I fucked up and I drank too much. Now I can't drive home. Uh, whereas this, I don't know, man. I think I just got like the, just a wild hair, and I was like, I'm tired of being Johnny Responsible, <laughs> and I did it, and I, I definitely overdid it. But here's the thing, like, and you know, my wife, even as cool as she is, was upset with me because it's unlike me. Which is, if it was something I did all the time, it probably wouldn't be. So basically, the long and short of it is this: I was doing shows at the Funny Bone, and I did it. 
and I definitely overdid it. It's not like I even like, all right, I haven't done this since I was 19. Clearly, I'm a lightweight still. It's like if I hadn't drank since I was 19, and I was like, all right, we're going to start with tequila and see where it goes from there. But it did the same thing it did to me every time. I just turned, it kind of slowed me down. I was doing things before I realized I was doing them. Got thirsty, walked around thinking I was peeing my pants a lot. That, that for whatever reason, is like, I remember that. Yeah. Like, as soon as I could tell I was high, I was like, oh, shit, am I peeing my pants? Oh, oh no, this happens to me. I remember this happening before, you know? And then the other thing it did to me was put me to sleep. So I went in the green room with the funny bone and fell asleep. Uh... You know, for like an hour and a half and woke up at midnight and was like, yeah, the show's been over for an hour. What the fuck? You know, I woke up in a panic and had missed like several text messages and phone calls from my wife, like wanting to know why I'm not answering, <laughs> answering the phone or right. what's going on. So she was, you know, and rightfully so. Sorry, I kicked our <laughs> studio operation. <laughs> my bad. I know that's going to bleed through, too. Uh yeah, so she was rightly upset because it's just un- uncharacteristically reckless of me, I guess. Uh, I didn't do it at home or anything like that. That's kind of what we were talking about prior to the mic coming on, is you do not indulge right. at all. And my brother was the same way, and my advice to him was always like, that's cool sometimes. Just, you know, do it at home. Do it. If you're not sure how it's going to hit you or affect you, do it at home. Do it around people you trust. You know, have some water and some snacks handy. And don't worry, you're probably not peeing your pants. <laughs> and then just like, what it did to me is, is like, it always put me to sleep. The first time I did it, I was having really bad sleep problems. Where I couldn't, I was working weird hours and couldn't sleep. And my buddy Sam was like, ah, you know what I think will work? And I'm like, all right, whatever, I'll, I'll try anything. And it did, man. It put me out for a solid, restful sleep. And I was yeah. like, man, this shit's a miracle well yeah put, but when you're out and about and you're supposed to be like <laughs> you know alright and I was luckily I was done with my shows that night and just fell asleep in the green room uh, but then I woke up in a panic and thought like oh man I, I gotta get myself home well at least I slept it off and as soon as I stood up and started walking around I was like no oh, here comes the circus again no I did not sleep it off yeah. I'm just as high as I was when I went to bed. Uh, and then couldn't get myself home. And that was always kind of my... Uh, even in terms of like playing in bands and stuff like that, like I was always real careful not to overdrink or whatever. It's just you never want any excuse to where you can't do the things you want to do. And, right. you know, Mel's been a bartender, you know, 20 years ago, ever since we got together, or 18 years or however long it's been. So we know like that there's... You know, you overindulge, and then sometimes... I did take an Uber home. I didn't drive myself home. I know that was one of her big fears, okay. is that I would drive myself home all fucked up. Man, it did, too. It threw me for a loop, man. It came just, rushing back to me, like, oh, this is why I don't do this anymore. <laughs> I, just, I just think it's interesting to, to take an 18-year gap and then, like, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and try it again tonight. And... I was just never married to it anyway. Um... And then I started, like, applying for jobs that drug test, and I was like, well, this ain't, like, a part of my life right. that I am necessarily, like, keen to preserving. Right. So, and I never did it that much anyway. Like, I remember when I stopped doing it, there's there's two things that happened that made me stop smoking. And you're talking about, like, maybe, maybe between the ages of, like, or actually, I take that back. There's several reasons why I don't do it anymore. Uh, but one of the two of the stories was I need to put this in a joke by the way is I have a little brother my youngest brother I say a little brother he's 24 now but he's autistic you know he's on the spectrum and this is when he was little he was like five years old and uh, he just had his birthday party at Chuck E. Cheese it was a big deal and kids that are on the spectrum they latch onto things and they, they don't let go and a big deal for him was to have everybody at Chuck E. Cheese for his birthday and he wanted to take home a Chuck E. Cheese pizza. He thought it was the big, the coolest thing. That, They're going to let me take one home? That's great. That's awesome. That's what I want to do. 
So I went and I stopped by his birthday party. Happy birthday, kid. You know, here's my present. Had a slice of pizza and I took off. I had other shit I was doing. Uh, I forget what I did. I forget if I had a show with a band I was playing in or what the deal was. But I was living at home, too. So I came home after smoking. I was pretty high. And I drove home. And I got home. And it's the munchies just completely like not even thinking about the things I'm doing. And uh, you think about conspiracy theories and shit. That was, that was my thing is I would like think, sit there in silence and think about all the things. <laughs> like, I think the mob did kill JF. Like, I would think about weird shit. And I would hear like ambient noise and like try to make like music out of it in my head. Those are definitely high thoughts to have. But before I knew it, I was eating. I just looked in the fridge and there was a pizza and I started eating it. And I got three quarters of the way through that pizza before I realized it was the one my brother took home from Chuck E. Cheese. And I just had this crazy wave of guilt wash over me. I was like, I can't believe what I did. He was so, so into the idea that they were going to let him take home a pizza and I just fucking ate it. What kind of scumbag? I'm going to have to wake up in the morning and explain this to him. Like, I'm so sorry I came home, I was hungry. I'm going to have to not tell him the part about being high. And I I was just, I felt like such a piece of shit. You know, this kid's going to freak out. He's going to cry. And I, you know, I'm going to have no recourse. Like, I don't know. I just came home like an asshole and ate your pizza, kid. I'm going to have to take him to Chuck E. Cheese and get another pizza. I ate Chuck E. Cheese anyway. Uh, And I woke up in the morning, just felt so guilty. And he woke up. And that's what woke me up, is him waking up, and I could hear him running around upstairs, and he went to the fridge, and just as I was getting up the stairs from my parents' basement, and I'm getting ready to tell him, like, kid, something bad happened, I'm real sorry, and he opened the pizza box, and he was like, oh, good, you had some pizza. I I know you had to leave my birthday, I wanted you to have some pizza. And I just, that made me feel even worse, because he got the pizza for me, (laughs) because he knew I couldn't be there for the whole party or whatever. Uh, and that, and I also got high and tried to work on my car once. And I don't know how to work on cars. <laughs> and I fucked it up. <laughs> I took it to a mechanic, and they were like, who's the last person to work on your car? And I was like, ah, buddy of mine. <laughs> <laughs> he was real high, too. So. Oh, I f- yeah. fucked it up. I worked on the brakes, yeah. and apparently I put shit on backwards. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, very cool, man. I uh, I really appreciate you uh, taking some time out to hang again. Uh, you can uh, what we got? Still doing Twitter? Yeah. Yeah. Every time I do like a Twitter, podcast or a radio, kind of I, yeah, I'm on there. Yeah. I don't do it. I'm so. <laughs> I, I, I like I'm not even taking any kind of stance against shit like that. I just right. don't do it. I'm just kind of lazy. Maybe it's a young man's game, or it's, right. it's the game for people who care about things, and I don't. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm on Twitter if you want to look me up on there. Yeah, I got a tweet, a couple fire hot tweets. They're like two years apart, yeah, and uh, probably about something that's not relevant anymore. <laughs> but it's uh, I think it's Scotty James 81. Yeah, uh, I'm on Facebook. Look for me on there. I will uh, ignore your friend request for six to seven months. <laughs> And then accept. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm on Instagram and all that shit, too, yeah. if you want to look for me on there. Yeah, man. Uh, well, and uh, again, you uh, mentioned Funny Bone, and uh, you're a regular over there, so you can come uh, swing by and visit the Funny Bone anytime uh, through the week. We Like I said, we got uh, open mic on Tuesday. Uh, we got uh, Max Price been doing well on Wednesday nights. Once what's that every once a month, right? On um, the showcase, I think. I think yeah. I think it's just yeah. once a month. Uh, yeah, check those out. It's all you know, ninety percent locals. Every now and then he has an out of town or he'll throw on. Yeah. So. Uh, and any old show at the Funny Bone, you're gonna have a good time. Oh yeah. You know, check out all the local venues. Yeah. Uh, and I actually got one coming up that I don't have a date for. I know we, we talked about this. Uh, but the Firebirds actually, you know, taking a bite at the local comedy apple, and they're letting a couple of, couple of go-getters, a couple of guys I was talking about earlier, uh, Tommy Mosslander and Nick Kuvar. I, I don't know if he goes by Nicholas Kuvar. I don't even know if Tommy goes by Tommy or Tommy. <laughs> God damn it. Anyway, uh, two newer local comics were actually really funny. 
and god damn it I actually like found their voice pretty early and are like writing good shit uh, got the firebird to give them a date uh, a date that I don't know yet uh, maybe we can put it in in post right but uh, you know they're doing a local show there a local showcase I think five or six comics and if it's the same lineup that they sent me it's gonna be a great lineup too it should be a fun show yeah uh, and you know it's it, the Firebird's not uh, I've seen comedians there but I think this is their first foray into doing local mm-hmm. uh, so I definitely want to bring some people out to that yeah man uh, I'm guessing it'll be in October and I'm guessing I'll post it on my Facebook so maybe I'll whatever <laughs> Keep an eye out for that, then. I, I'm bad at promotion, uh, <laughs> but this one's not on me. I just don't have the date yet. All right. So look for us at the Firebird. Yeah. Another great local venue. <laughs> sure, man. Well, thank you, Scott. Um, I'll see you soon, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Thank Good you. talking to you. Yeah. Later, buddy. Rock, Rock, Paper Podcast. Rock, Paper Podcast. Rock, Paper Podcast. Rock, Paper Podcast. Well, yeah, that was it.